Hey, y'all, we are back with another episode of Lay Hot Pair. I'm Jazz, and I have a special guest this week. So um, another interview-type episode. Uh, you guys seem to love these, which is great, because I love doing them. Um, and <laughs> we have Zal this week. So for those of you who don't know, who have yet to meet this man, he is absolutely wonderful, one. Um, ah, thank you. No, for real. For real. Um, he will keep you laughing, drop knowledge bombs without you even realize they're being dropped until like 30 seconds. So you're like, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> 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 um, and he's all about like empowering youth. So seeing that it is Black History Month, um, I wanted to, I guess, tip my hat to the loving Issa Rae. And we rooting for everybody to black this episode. <laughs> that part. That part. So Zav, if you want to introduce yourself to the people. What's good, y'all? My name is Zav Hanfields, originally from the greatest place on earth. Don't debate me. Miami, Florida. I am super excited to be on this call with my girl Jazz. It's gonna be a great time. Nothing but great energy. This is Suave Zav. Let's get it. Come on, Suave Zav. They're not ready. They're not gonna be ready. I don't think they're ready. They're not. Suave Zav, I love it. Okay. You know what? That might be the name of this episode. We'll see. We'll see. We might, aka Swabs Off. So, (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I like that. So, um, we haven't done one of these in a while, but I wanted to kind of like bring back a segment that me and Tavari used to do called Child Cheese. And unfortunately, I don't have a clip of us saying Child Cheese. I might have to get a clip of that. That might be like post production added in. We'll see how I feel. But I wanted to talk about um, the cancel culture and like the resurgence of, well, at least in the media, because I don't think it's gone away in in other parts of our lives. Um, But like the resurgence of blackface and like seeing politicians and other people of esteem um, like this come up in their past. So whether it be like yearbook photos or whether it be like old news clippings or whatever like that, uh, I feel like it's come out a a lot has come out recently. And I wanted to talk about that. But first, um, for those of you who have been under a rock, um, there was an issue with Gucci earlier. Was it last week? At this point, I think it was last week, right? Yeah, last week. Mm -hmm. So they created this, or they released this um, turtleneck that when rolled all the way up to cover your mouth, looks like Sambo. And for those of you who don't know what Sambo is, Google is your friend, and Google is free. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Please let them know. It is free. Now, I might actually, like, drop a picture on the actual blog post for this, but it's uh, it's a pretty racist, and it's known racist (laughs) image and foolery and coonery because that's what it was. Sambo is cooning. Um, So when rolled up over the mouth, it resembled Sambo. So that came out and people, there was a huge uproar. People asked for it to be pulled. Gucci pulled it. And then other, like, I guess other brands, um, people started like pulling coats and jackets and shirts and stuff like that, uh, or pointing out that other brands had similar items for sale or they, they were either on sale currently or they previously sold items like that. So like Montclair, um, like H and M, of course, having that little black boy and the coolest monkey monkey in the jungle. Right, right, right. Um, so cancel culture has like had this huge resurgence, and 
for those of you who remember, there was a huge cancel culture or cancel cancellation, quote unquote cancellation of Waffle House recently after um, Baby Girl was attacked. Uh, and yeah. it happened. I mean, I feel like that that cancellation of Waffle House lasted a month, maybe. Right. If that, <laughs> a couple <laughs> if, hours. If that. <laughs> Same with the NFL. Um, I don't know about you, but I personally have not watched an entire NFL game since uh, since Kaepernick went down. Right. And I mean, not to say that I don't support my Texans because I do. I absolutely love my Houston Texans and will forever love my Houston Texans. Um, but I will smooth, like hit my phone and be like, hey, Siri, what's the score of the game <laughs> before I turn off? You trying to do it, like on the low. Right. I'm just trying to make sure we're still like doing well. But um, how do you feel about cancel culture and like what? um, Yeah. How do you feel about cancel culture? Yo, cancel culture is typical to this millennial culture that we live in. We cancel everything that we disagree with. And then a couple weeks or months later, you know, we're going to um, just go back to eating at these same restaurants and, and wearing these same clothes. And I just I just feel like we as black people are just incredibly emotional. Mm-hmm. And because of that emotion, it's it's something hot. You know, it's something that people care about. But when people stop caring about it, it's just going to be those faithful few that's like, yo, man, I'm standing with Cap. You know, someone made a good point on, on IG and they were just like, you know, yeah, we all boycotted the NFL at the beginning of the semester, but everybody was in Atlanta. And if you weren't in Atlanta, you were probably at a Super Bowl event. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm. And cancel culture is real, but these brands, I mean, I don't know about you, Jazz, but, you know, I'm not rocking. I don't have anything Gucci in my closet um, or Montclair. Got a couple H&M pieces, so um, no judgment. I mean, but, no, the staples, they make great, reasonably, reasonably priced staples. All facts. <laughs> you know, when you're balling on a budget as a millennial, you you got you to gotta go to H&M. Right. But um, I just feel like, these brands are not stupid and people are like yeah they should have more diverse people on their team and and have these creative culture meetings but the fact of the matter is that i personally think that these brands know exactly what they're doing and they uh, i don't really think they want y'all to wear their stuff period you know what i mean it's not it's not doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that that gucci sweater was it looked it looked ridiculous right besides the fact that it it you know, mimicking Sambo, it looked ridiculous and they knew what they were doing. And I think that it's kind of like a low key shot at the people that wear it. Like, yo, we really don't want you wearing our stuff anyway. So they should definitely be counseled for that because, you know, it's going to be somebody else in a couple of months. It's going to be somebody else in a couple of years. And I don't say that to be negative, but, you know, it's, it's the truth. It's the straight up truth. So I think Gucci and Montclair and and these big brands um, should be canceled. H&M, you know, I did cancel them for a little bit. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. So I did start buying their their stuff again. But um, I think w- because we're in this microwave generation, it's like you're canceled for now. But then next year, it's just like, OK, cool. Well, I'm going back to comfort and I'm going back to affordable clothes and options. And I'm going back to fashion and I'm going back to everything that kind of like hurt me last week, last year or last month or whatever. And um it's, it's not canceled anymore because of this microwave emotional society that we live in, especially with black folk. Right. I mean, now, okay, I'm going to have to like channel my inner young Draco Dude. next year. Now, you know, folks, I mean, like you said, <laughs> you're like, okay, I'll go back next year. No, folks have gone back 
a week later, a month later. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like a lot of the people who are like, oh, we canceling Gucci, especially on like in on social media. A lot of people who are like, oh, we're canceling Gucci. Bro, you don't own any real Gucci. I, like, <laughs> where is your Gucci? Your Gucci shades from the swap meet don't count. Exactly. Now, don't get me wrong. My parent, my stepmom has a few Gucci bags, but mm-hmm. she's had them for years like this is these are nothing new these are never new purchases Mm -hmm. um that but she's had them for years i i don't know if i could like out of respect say woman because i call my stuff (laughs) (laughs) we are we're we're cool like that there's a whole story behind that but yeah i mean um i call her mom woman candace i call her by all three names and they're all out of love um i can't say woman you can't carry your gucci bag anymore because one she would smack me i don't care how old i am she's still my parent um (laughs) and two she paid her hard-earned money for that so like you said these are not this is not new information. Like, I don't know if you remember this. We're about the same age. Um, but when we were younger, there was that whole Tommy Hilfiger situation. Oh, of course. And it, it took a hit. Like, Tommy Hilfiger's brand took a huge hit mm-hmm. off of, and I don't even know if that was true. Like, I don't know if somebody was like, well, Tommy Hilfiger said he don't want black people wearing his clothes. And I don't know if he actually said that. <laughs> Or not. Right. Where's that clip? Where are the receipts? It was a quote unquote Oprah interview, and like, you know, she told him to walk off, but it was just like, you know, news travels fast, and without social media, it's probably traveled even fat, even slower back then. But I I haven't seen that news clip, but it was so crazy because I remember being that young, and I used to shop at Macy's all the time. And the fact of the matter is that I just never, because I had that impact print in my mind i'm like okay yeah tommy doesn't make his clothes to black people so i'm not wearing right. it and you know hip-hop and, and that's the thing people love our culture they love hip-hop culture but they don't love people think about you know back in that same time frame crystal i don't know if you remember right. that but crystal oh the, the, the alcoholic beverage they, you know everybody had crystal back in when we were like 13 years old and they sing about it rapped about it had in all the videos and something happened they were just like you know best being racist as heck and um black people like yo we're boycotting crystal and i think that was like one of the many reasons why diddy came out with ciroc and so many other companies did that because it's like yo they love your money they just don't love you and are you going to support Cancel, cancel, <laughs> right? Cancel, 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 cancel. <laughs> but you saw the immediate impact. Like Tommy Hilfiger is not making, um, they're not making clothes like they used. To, they're not as popular as they used to be. Nope, um, Crystal is not as popular as it used to be. I'm pretty sure if Hennessy or Ace of Spades came out with something racist, not saying that they will. Um, one, I don't like Ace of Spades. I don't like the way it tastes, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't affect me anything. Or uh, anyway, same with Hennessy. Um, I mean, unless they're trying to sponsor me. But <laughs> That's That's there are other there are other um, liquors that I prefer over that. So if those came out, I feel like it would be like this, a similar kind of like Waffle House effect where we would cancel it for a week or two. And then, well, you know, uh, my granny say she used to drink Hennessy and you know, that's how I'm really, that's how I like relate to her. And no, like we put emotional ties to this yep. stuff and, and that's our reasoning for going back. So like, um, I heard this a lot when people were talking about the NFL, they were like, Oh, well I only hang out with my boy or I only get to see my boys if we're doing NFL Sunday <clears throat> to which I will reply to them. 
you need to find better outings with your friends, or you need to find other <laughs> outings. Y'all go to Top Golf, my G. Right. Go I mean, I mean, there I mean? are other ways for you to like get together and congregate with your loved ones than watching the NFL. Um, so I mean, I feel like we put emotional ties with these, and we're like, well, I don't want to give this out because it reminds me of X, Y, and Z, and I completely understand. I one hundred percent understand. But if they are, if these brands, if these companies, if these um corporations are not benefiting humans like if they're not benefiting all of us if they are like continuously putting down um disenfranchised groups of people stop buying their products stop giving them money you know the The i mean is we i think we follow other people because you know, the average Joe, we're not average by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want the listeners to think that, you know, Zav and Jazz are average. We're above average and Thank exceptional. <laughs> but but the thing is, the average Joe, a.k.a. the non-celebrity, um, is going to pretty much follow anything that whoever is big, you know, let's say the Kardashians or the Jenners or, you know, unfortunately, those type of people, you know, if they say something or if they wear something, we're going to flock to it, even though they're not necessarily black. Um, but we can talk about black people, too. If, if Diddy or Beyonce, right. man, people love people idolize Beyonce, especially here. Um, you know, we live in Texas. It's, right. you know, if she says something or, or wears something or does something, even if it was canceled, it's like, OK, well, I guess it's OK to rock. Well, she likes it. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's a lot of it's a lot of monkey see monkey do's out out here. So it's, it's funny that you brought up Beyonce because we're going to talk about this in a little bit when um, when you tell us more about plant based brother. But she um, partnered with and I can't cannot think of the name of the company to save my life right now. Um, but she partnered with a company and <clears throat> her and her husband decided to do a giveaway and you win. I think it's two free tickets. Mm-hmm. To every Beyonce show, I don't know if it's every Beyonce and Jay Z show, but I know it's every Beyonce show for the rest of her, for the rest of the time that she's touring. Now I don't know how long that's gonna last, right? But she was like, "You go vegan, um, and you don't have to go one hundred percent vegan." She was like, "You can do meatless Mondays, you can do yeah. right." She was like, "There are different levels to it, but if you can commit to this, you can enter to win um, a chance for two free tickets." To mm-hmm. it, to every Beyonce concert, I cannot tell you how many people who have now jumped on the Meatless Monday bandwagon <laughs> because of that. And right. I mean, it's 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 be like it, the same thing. What you said, if she says that it's okay, okay, mm-hmm. people will do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, we are pop culture. Period. We are. we are, and it's. I mean, it's it's sad. It's sad. I mean, it's yeah. sad. It's great yeah. for marketers. It's it's great for marketing teams, especially for people who do um, social media marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I mean, it's sad for the rest of us because we don't want to be sheep, but we want to be sheep. If that yeah. makes sense. Yep, it makes a lot of sense. So, um, so I also wanted to talk about uh, these politicians and these uh, other people of esteem who have words come out where they had like they blackface or they dressed up as kkk for halloween which still baffles me um, right, i don't understand why that's a costume <laughs> hey, hey you gotta be a lame to do that black white green that's just right. lame to do like i didn't i did not i don't understand why that's that was a costume um but their reaction once being like a like be, being approached by it there was no shame there was oh nope. well um i dressed up i was michael jackson i wasn't the kkk bro what you still did was wrong you still put on blackface <laughs> right. right 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 so 
it's it, I guess it's kind of twofold. Like not only what you did was shitty, but the fact that you have you're not taking you're not you, you're not taking responsibility of your actions. Right. Um, and I just I just I think that I, I I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I, I love the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, so I believe in showing people grace. You know, if they did it when they were 18 years old, you know, unfortunately, um, especially in our our culture, you know, what you did 18 years old is probably highlighted somewhere in the cybersphere of your MySpace ratchet days. You feel me? <laughs> Thank God saying. MySpace is not, not big oh, MySpace, Twitter, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Uh, so I believe in showing people all that. All that, all that. I, I believe in showing people grace, but, you know, I think that don't act like it just didn't exist. It's like apologize and, and just be done with it. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, say that was kind of wrong. That was jacked up. It was tasteless. But don't act like it didn't exist because it just it's just very hurtful. People are still hence Gucci having a sambo sweater. That is why it is still very much so problematic for these politicians and, and these pictures to be resurfacing from their parties in the 80s and the 90s of them in blackface. You know, how, how would you feel if somebody was, you know, Jazz, this is a question for you. How would you feel if someone last Halloween, let's say, um, who's a big name? Bah, 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 bah. Um, Jimmy Fallon. How okay. would you feel if he was in blackface, but not like historical blackface to be offensive, but he was, like you said, Michael Jackson, but he painted himself brown. How would you feel about that? Oh, I would totally feel some type of way. And it sucks because I absolutely love, like, Jimmy Fallon is one of those entertainers that I look up to. Like, it's him, Ellen DeGeneres. Um, and, there, I mean, there are a few other, Robert, uh, Robert De Niro. Like, these are, like, white celebrities um, who have always presented themselves as allies. And so if that came out that he <laughs> decided to, I, I mean, it, I would be shocked. And it, it would suck because he's, like, best friends with one of my other favorite white entertainers, Justin Timberlake. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. So I'm so happy you didn't say that because I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> oh. But no, I mean, Jimmy's just as bad because it's like, it's like you see, not your, and I don't want to say hero because I'm not idolizing these people, but mm -hmm. it's like you're, you, we can't help but put these people on a different, um, different level, like see them on a different level from like right. your regular schmegular Joe right. Blow. Um, don't get me wrong. My parents, I, I, my parents are my heroes, and there are, are many other regular, regular people in my life who are my heroes. Absolutely. But seeing there's a different level of celebrity for celebrities, mm -hmm. um, it, like it literally cannot be negated. Right, Sorry, you have five million followers. <laughs> You've been in the game for twenty years. You, right. you, you can't just do careless, mindless behavior stuff and think that it's... And, and, and that's not going to be a blowback. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and I say that with so much... I say that very carefully because like, I don't think that people should like walk on eggshells and live on eggshells just because you are and not have any privacy and have any expression and creativity to be themselves and, and do their thing. So I say that with also knowing that you can do that and be yourself, but come on, bro. You just... Just you have to use wisdom. You use wisdom. 
You know what and I mean? If you do and so up, many things. Apologize and do it on like be honest and be truthful and be sincere with your apology. I'm right. sick of these half ass apologies. I and I tell people this all the time. <laughs> don't if you hit me with that, well, I'm sorry you felt this way. That's not an apology. Nope. Don't nope, you don't apologize for my feelings. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Leave my feelings alone. Right. <laughs> because yeah. I'm gonna feel my feelings. So mm-hmm. don't apologize. don't come to me and say, Well, I'm sorry you felt this way. Nope. You can keep that. You can keep that and you can go ahead and st- continue to stay out of my life. Um sincerely and mean it and don't go back and do the same behavior again and I think that's the important component that people miss with apologies they go back and they continue to mess up the same way yep and I mean that's all across the board in different situations whether mm-hmm. in friendships and relationships and general life period um when you apologize you do not or you try your hardest Heart. right. right to not go back and make the same mistake mm-hmm. um and I feel like that needs to happen. Like we have um, that kept the Kevin Hart thing that came up and he was like, oh, well, he shouldn't do this. And he apologized. He said he apologized. I didn't feel like it was sincere. That's that was me, though. But I'm also not the I'm not part of the community that he was apologizing to. Right. Um, right. I also felt the type of way that he had a Cowboys and Indians party for a son. But uh, once again, I'm not a part of that <laughs> disenfranchised community that he was supposed to apologize to. And right. he also didn't, didn't apologize to them, which is right. the main reason why I was pissed off. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Don't go back and make those same mistakes. And we see that constantly. We see people constantly going back and make the same mistakes. And it's like, well, why even waste your breath and apologize? Mm -hmm. And I don't, so that's why, that's part of the reason why I think some of these um, politicians and senators and other people have seen why they're not like truly apologizing because they know they're going to go back and do the same thing. Same exact thing. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like, I I mean, I really like dressing up in black (laughs) face. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, I got a robe in my closet now. I mean, so like, I feel like they, they, whether they do this again publicly and now with cameras being everywhere, mm-hmm. um, can't go anywhere without a camera. Can't um, go I, anywhere. Right, there's no, there's no way they can truly hide their actions anymore. Right. Um. So if it comes out again, I, I don't want them, I guess they're like, oh, well, I mean, I apologize. So I said, I'm going to do this anymore. They're like, well, I mean, I didn't apologize. I didn't say that it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you knew what it was when it started. You, knew, you, you know what's up, right. <laughs> you know, you already know what's up. You already know what's up. <laughs> they hit you with that. I'm going to waste your time, but you already, you, you knew what it was. <laughs> it was. Hey, can, I mean, can a can a leopard change his stripes? I think that you know they can. Um, their their stripes can stretch. You know, I mean, you gain a little bit of weight. You, you okay? That's a bad reference, but anyway, <laughs> you backtrack that real quick. You backtrack, like, yeah, yeah. But 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 I, I think that people do have the um, propensity to change. It's just making sure that you know, like you said, kind of like apologize, mean it. You know, and we and the thing is, we never really know someone's true heart. You know, they can be super nervous when they're doing their press conference or their social media posts or whatnot and just feel really bad. And some of them could be doing it for show just because, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. And and that's the that's the kind of like the fine line, because we never know which one it really is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We got I mean, to there's, there's so much to unpack with that. We're, and I feel like that's a whole nother episode. And right. I will will come back and talk about this on a, uh, on a different episode. Um, but I wanted to, I want to root for everybody black. So <laughs> it's black history year. So, it's black you history know. year, 365. Yeah. Shout out to McDonald's for, for doing that, um, that campaign. Gosh, I feel like I was a teenager when they did that though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this was, was, was that around the same era? They had the R&B videos. I saw you creeping. <laughs> was that the same era? Got that McNugget love. Hey, 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 hey. Pandering, pandering, pandering. To the- <laughs> Just like your girl Hillary. Oh no, sorry, no, no politics. Woo! Good, I'm Wait good, love, enjoy. I'm good. <laughs> nah, we're not gonna talk. That's okay. That's okay. As we can have a conversation, not about, not about that right now. But I will definitely bring you back on when it's time for, um, you know, yeah. preliminary stuff. We'll, we'll have, we'll come on and we'll do this whole thing. Um, yeah, no, McDonald's was definitely pandering. Um, or either that, or they just had black people. High, and a lot of black people in the higher ups, and they're like, you know what? African Americans make up a good chunk of our customer base in the United States. Unfortunately, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and we like music, and we like R and B, and we like dramatic stuff. So you know, the uh, you you cheating on me with the McChicken will definitely get somebody's attention. And yeah, no, for three sure. Years later, we're still singing it. We're still so. singing it. <laughs> I can still see that video in my head to this, too. To this day. It while I was singing it in my mind, like it was raining outside, exactly. the bit was low and dimly. Yeah. Somebody running in the rain, like I can see it. Got I mean, got that McNugget loving. I can <laughs> this day. So um, they they did the whole Black History three sixty five, and I thought that was really dope because before that I hadn't seen a major corporation um, come out and do that. Like, of course, they, everybody would do... Coca-Cola does the Black History Month. Um, who else was doing Black... I think Ford or Chevy, they yeah, did, a like, a Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then McDonald's was like, bump that. Black History 365. 65. This is what we're doing. Right. Boom. Right. And I love it because it made us realize that, hey, we do... Ha- I mean, there are people higher-ups who have our back on this. Mm-hmm. So um, I saw an Instagram... It wasn't necessarily mean because it wasn't, like, funny. But um, it said... We celebrate all year long. February is just the anniversary. And I was like, my Lord, if that yeah. ain't. Praise break. Insert praise break. <laughs> right. uh-huh. All facts. Yes, all facts. Lord. I like that. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I shared it. I was like, I mean, facts. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came across um, Netflix. There were a few. Netflix, Instagram. They were doing the, they were pushing the whole um, black history and then black media and all that stuff like that. And I came across, and I mentioned Kevin Hart before, but he must have recorded this before he pissed me off before because it was really cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Stop> it. <laughs> it was really, the girl from the passage was on it. It was really cute. Um, Lil Ray Howard was on it. Mm-hmm. How, I'm mispronouncing his last name. Is it Howard? It is Howard, right? Howell or something. Lil Ray. Something like that. Yeah. Howery or something like that. Yeah. That, that one. I mean, y'all know who I'm talking about. Right. So. <laughs> Lil Ray. Lil Ray. <laughs> He was on there with uh, Yankovic was on there. There are, bu- there are a bunch of people on there. Uh, but he was mentioning, I guess, unsung heroes. Mm. And because we always hear about Martin Luther King Jr. We always hear about Michael Max. We hear about Rosa Parks, Barbara Jordan, Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman. Like, we, these are the names that we know. For Barack Obama. Like, these are the names that we know. Um, but he brought up some people that I hadn't really... I'd learned about them, but it, it, they're not ones that are constantly mentioned over and over. And I wanted to share a few of those with you guys uh, because I thought they were pretty dope. And if you haven't watched the special on Netflix after I, after this episode, please sit down with because it's for it's geared towards the family, so you can sit down with your kids and watch yeah. it and all that. What is it called? Um, I, I actually haven't seen it. What is it called? It is. Oh gosh, and I forgot. It's uh, <laughs> Kevin Hart. It's the Black History. Oh I'll my Google God. it. 
I'll Google it. I'm so mad at myself. Kevin Hart special. Boom. <laughs> yes. Kevin Hart Netflix special, but it's the Black History one. And I feel like I should know this. Hold on, y'all. I wrote about it on my blog. That's all, that's what I really wanted to share with you guys. Um, oh, please. It doesn't even say it. I didn't even I didn't even write the name on my blog. Awesome. Go Jasmine. So <laughs> I will link it for you guys. But um, so he he talked about I guess five or six. I think it was like five or six of these unsung heroes. And I want to share a few of them with y'all. So the first one is Henry Box Brown. So you guys have probably heard of him, especially if if you hear me say uh, Box Brown. This is the guy who mailed himself to freedom, like legit put himself in a box. And had himself mailed to abolitionists in Philadelphia. <laughs> yes. That's the next level, like resiliency. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jazz is Kevin Hart's guide to black history. Boom. That, a Netflix that, original. Not, look at that. Look at you. Thank you, sir. You, you said hey, you you kind of um convicted me. You said if Google is your friend, use it. <laughs> I couldn't just sit back and be idle. <laughs> Cause idle hands are the devil's work. Come on, hey, 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 hey. man, you preaching? <laughs> I'm a pass off and play in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Box Brown, Henry Box Brown, mailed himself from Virginia to Philadelphia, and I didn't realize this at the time. But there was a huge. Um, well, I didn't realize this until recently. Um, but he started a movement. So he successfully mailed himself to abolitionists up there, and while he was. Um, in transit, he <laughs> was working on, he was writing in a diary that later became an autobiography of sorts. Um, and then it sparked other slaves to mail themselves to Philadelphia for freedom. So, yeah. So, like like I said earlier, we don't want to be sheep, but we want to be sheep. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it's working for you, hey, Lord, don't do that without me this season. I'm trying to be free. Right, right. Like, oh, you made it? Okay, I'm next. And there were a lot of people who did that. Um, not all were successful because, I mean, that's it's only understandable not, that not everybody can be successful. Okay. But um, that became a way for people to escape to freedom, which I thought was really, really dope. Um, and then he talked about Dr. Vivian Thomas, who became a doctor later in life. So Vivian Thomas <clears throat> was a technician mm-hmm. who um, discovered and patented the um, Blue Baby Syndrome cure uh there were babies who were dying yeah, by like, the what's that yeah <laughs> so there were babies who were dying by the hundreds because their um it was either the arteries or they they weren't getting the proper uh oxygen they mm-hmm. weren't getting mm-hmm. enough oxygen to their lungs in order for them to live so they live for a few days and then they would die well he figured out a way to treat that and to cure that and he didn't get the acknowledgement and he didn't get the credit that he deserved um, because he wasn't a doctor. And so it was one of those. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't become a doctor until much, much later. So like, in fact, he was teaching other doctors how to do this procedure while he uh-huh. was still a tech. And yeah. At John Hopkins. Can we just highlight the brother man for just being a natural born leader for being my gosh, that when you hear stories about that and the people that have come before us, I mean, how could you not just be proud to be someone of 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 the black diaspora? How could you not diaspora? How could you not like 
that is outstanding. I have never, I'm sitting here amazed because I had never heard that story. You trained in doctors and you probably could have been a doctor, but because of the powers that be and the, you know, how it was back then, you, you had to simply settle for being a technician, but you're still trained. Man, God will put you in positions to, hey, hey, man, I'm about to, sh- we, yo, <laughs> can we pass the offering plate for real? I already got my tins in, in, in my wallet. Like, what's up? <laughs> Like, Come on, I will put you in the in, in positions and places where you need to be mm-hmm. to benefit not only yourself but others around you. The and that's I mean, but that's you. what happened. Yeah. So like, so he legit like so he couldn't finish med school because he couldn't afford it. Um. So he worked as a technician. He worked as a bartender. He worked as like a handyman. Um. And all the while was like training other doctors and um. Other, I mean, other medical staff at Johns Hopkins, and they ended up giving him an honorary doctorate, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And he, we now know he now gets the credit that he deserves. But at that time, it was one of those, oh well, he's just sitting in. This is my, uh, this is this is my tech who's here, the doctor who was, and I forgot that doctor's name. Oh, no. I, anyway, I'm not even gonna mention that doctor because don't, even, Dr. don't do it. Don't even do it. Right, I'm, like, I'm not even gonna do it because Dr. Thomas was the one who invented the procedure. So right. Right. that's all that we care about. <laughs> exactly. Get your credit, sir. Shout out to Dr. Thomas. There's no more blue baby syndrome. Okay. And then last but not least, I know you guys know Josephine. 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 Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker was the Beyonce before Beyonce. Yep. I mean, hands down, she was Beyonce before Beyonce. Um, she was an entertainer here in the U.S. who um, she didn't get the credit that she deserved. Another one who didn't get the credit that she deserved. Right. Um, she she could do the black circuit, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the entertainers back during the Harlem Renaissance could do the black circuit. But when she wanted to go and entertain white audiences, um, they would make her in the back. And if you've seen Green Book or just know of um the history of that time period you would know that black artists were not i mean they were treated terribly back then they would mm-hmm. want you to they wanted you to entertain them but you weren't allowed to be treated like the other inter, excuse me entertainers who uh, the, uh, the other white entertainers right. so once your set was over you were immediately put off property um you didn't get proper dressing rooms if you got a dressing room at all at all right you couldn't eat you couldn't drink like it was literally go up there be a dance monkey and then leave mm-hmm. and she was tired of shit so she left um she went over to paris <laughs> bounced bounce biggity bounce she was like bye y'all um she went over to paris and she actually got a prison citizenship mm-hmm. um and she was a spy. Like, you want to talk about black girl magic? Girl was a spy during World War II. <laughs> she gave no cares. She gave no, nah, she, nope, not at all. So add that to the resume. She was like, okay, so I'm a singer. I'm a dancer. Um, I'm an all-around badass. And I'm a spy. And, and she adopted 12 children. Wait, what? Yes. Yes. Okay. So if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, or if you follow my blog, you know that adoption is like, that's my path to parenthood. Mm-hmm. So that was the main thing that stuck out to me. Like that was one of, one of the big reasons that drew me to um, Josephine Baker, but yeah, adopted 12 children. She, and it, it wasn't just, Oh, I'm adopt 12 black kids. No, you lie to say it's been a time. Like this woman adopted yeah. kids yeah. from all racial backgrounds um, and like legit cared for these children. Mm. As if she gave birth to them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you gave these children the unconditional love that they deserve. Yep. Gave them the life that they deserve because nobody asked to be born. So um, 
I thought that was really dope. And That's... I went to, isn't that dope, right? That's dope. So, but I, I got a question for you. So, you know, it's Black History Month. We we all about we all about keeping it real. So, Beyonce and Josephine Baker are both light skinned women, and mm-hmm. although she didn't have as much success as you know we would have liked her to have, Josephine Baker, that is, if Josephine Baker was, let's say, um, Kelly Rowland's complexion, or if she was Viola Davis's co- complexion, do you think that she would have been as successful as she was in the states, or wh- wh- what do you think? What, what do you think? Because ain't nothing changed. Colorism been around; it's still here. You know what I mean? So you know, because I feel like light skin individuals, you know, colorism is just huge everywhere in the world. But right. a lot of times they're more palatable to white audiences, which you know, which she was performing in front of a lot of the times. You know what I mean? They had the money and and the, and the big clubs, and although she had to go in the back. So so, what are your thoughts on on that? No, I agree. Um, I had she been a Nina Simone, or had she been right. um a Viola Davis, or even a Maya Angelou, because Maya Angelou was not <clears throat> as right. dark as others. Right. Um, no, I don't believe that she would have been booked in front of Viola, especially here in the U.S. And you're right, colorism is not just—it's not something that's oh, solely in the U.S. It is global. Like there are whitening creams being sold to every community, y'all. Mm-hmm. Asian, 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 Brazilian. <laughs> It's huge over there. Yes. Like whitening cream is it's it's yeah. Oh, China's big on it. China's big on whitening cream. Um yeah, no, I I think that if she was darker, um, or if she wasn't because she was also not only was she more fair, she was also fairly small. Like she wasn't Mm. super curvy. Um, like she was like Beyonce and Carm not even Carmen. What's a Dream girls. So like, <laughs> think of her that shape versus the Beyonce of On the Run 2, where she's super curvy and just had yeah. kids and all stuff like that. No, Josephine Baker was small. Um, so no, I had she had more African features or more right, traditional right. African features. Let me say that. More traditional, darker African features. I don't think she would have been as popular, even though it wasn't she wasn't as popular here as she was over in France. Um, I don't think she would have been as popular here at all, at all. And it sucks. It truly sucks. sucks. Yeah, it's like. But it's. I mean, it's the truth. I mean, but but the same thing can be said about artists now. Like you have, I think one of the reasons. Don't get me wrong. Beyonce is an amazing artist. She's an amazing artist. The woman can sing and dance. Yeah. In circles around so many people, I feel like one of the main reasons why she's so popular. Um, among across the board to everybody is because of how she looks. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, of course, the blonde hair, the light exactly. skin, of course, yeah. exactly. Because I mean, Kelly Rowland is just as talented. Facts. Um, yep, <laughs> they sound exactly the same. They, I mean, I, they, they, you know, they you sound- hear Kelly like, "Yo, is that Beyonce singing?" Right. Like, right. yeah. Um, it's and it sucks, but colorism is real. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still to this day, it's it's still a to sad day. thing. To this day, <laughs> to this day, to this day. <laughs> <laughs> why, why are we us millennials? Why are we so engulfed in like these memes? You know, these <laughs> from, from social media. Oh man, IG is IG. I hate you. <laughs> but I love you at the same time. It's, it's, it's like a love hate relationship. Like you know, really you don't want to check, you don't want to check or scroll, but it's just like I, I love it so much. So yeah. Right. 
Well, especially because t- so much time can pass. I try not to pick up my, well, let me rephrase. I try not to go to Instagram the first thing in the morning or too early in the morning because, because I can lose 30 to 45 minutes scrolling or watching IG stories without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you're right. It's a little pain relationship. kind of sucks you up in, yeah. It does. <laughs> I, try to like, I try to like pray and read my Bible and kind of like Medicine. do all that. You know, think about my day and my goals before I. I mean, I fail a lot of the time, but hey, um, you take some initiative though. Hey, that initiative baby counts. steps, baby steps, <laughs> baby steps is all it takes. I mean, it, you'll get to it. I always try and like meditate um, or just sit and be for mm-hmm. a bit before I like pick up my phone and start hey. digesting anything, whether it's emails or text messages or mm-hmm. social media or anything like that. I want to make sure that I that I can be. For a moment, just like thank God for waking me up, and yep. um, I don't know. what I have to do today. What are some things that I learned? Right. Right. Exactly. That's self care. Like people don't realize, like you know, so many people get on this, you know, depressed kicked or first thing in the morning you saying, you know, just so many people living a life that you probably want to live, or or whatever the case may be. Or you, you wonder think why they're living a life that you want right. to live. Right. So you wonder why you feel like down and anxious and depressed. And it's like you, you checking your phone first thing in the morning. I have to like I literally have to give God my first fruit. And when I don't, they always like my first fruit is just like those first few minutes, like praying, kind of like meditating. It's just like, what would you have for me to do today, Lord? All right. that good stuff. And um, when I do that, my day goes completely different because I, I don't know, you know, if you have the um, the timestamp, not the timestamp, but the thing on social media where you can only get on it for like an hour or two hours or three hours, but I keep pressing 15 minutes more. 15 right. minutes. You press that 15 minutes 15 times, and it's like, bruh. What's the point of having it? Right, right. Discipline, discipline. Exactly. exactly. I'm the same with snooze. I don't snooze. Um, once I'm up, I'm up. I don't set a snooze. Uh, really? When, oh, I don't. I don't set it. I'm also a morning person. Mm. I will say this. So I, I understand that not everybody's a morning person. Um, it took me a while to get to that point like undergrad i was not a morning person i was a late night person Mm -hmm. but um i realized that that wasn't conducive to a healthy lifestyle for me (laughs) not not at all not at all so um i became a morning person but this means i also go to bed earlier i'm usually in bed at like 9 45 at night um that's my goal 9 45 (laughs) what time do you wake up i wake up between 4 45 and 5 15 okay so most times my body will naturally wake me up at that time like even on weekends so this morning um, so we record, we're recording on a Sunday. Um, I woke up at 7.30, no alarm. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, I can, this means I can also, when most people are waking up for the day on the weekends, I'm laying down for a nap. Because I, not only am I waking up, I'm waking up and I'm doing stuff. Mm. So I'm waking up and I'm like, I'm checking emails, I'm checking the news, I'm working on blog stuff, I'm. Mm um working out or whatever so i'm I'm, i can lay down for a nap at one o'clock and be totally okay with that because i've accomplished enough in the morning or at least i've knocked out enough that i need to do in the mornings um where i can be okay taking a nap at one o'clock i'm I'm an avid napper so um (laughs) naps are life naps are naps are life (laughs) naps are naps are babe man it's like And people try to crown me all the time because I'm such an avid napper. And they're like, yo, what adult still takes naps? I'm just like, if you could take a nap, you would take a nap. So Smart don't, don't be hate, hate, the player, hate, hate, the, hate the game. Don't hate the player. Come on now. Exactly. <laughs> Worry about yourself. That's you right. need to do. Right. Worry about yourself. No, I'm a napper. I Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a napper. On weekends, I try and take at least one nap every day. 
Um, I like I try and fit that into my schedule. So whether it's a 30 minute nap or a two hour nap, because two hour naps are still naps. Yep. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Anything less than four hours is a nap. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, whether it's a 30 minute or a two hour nap, uh, I try and squeeze in a nap every day or every weekend day at least. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, okay, so I want to get back to like Black history because I know we said we said we celebrate through sixty five, but this is like the anniversary. Okay. So like, what um coming up? Question to you coming up because you said you grew up in Florida. When did you move to Houston? September twenty seventh, two thousand and twelve. Okay, so you it's still fairly recent. So you were in what? You were in college then, right? I, I was not. I was. I was. I was actually a twenty five year old whippersnapper. You, you know, grown, grown. Grown, grown. <laughs> like looking back, I was like, "Hey, I was actually grown and just living on my own and just doing my own thing." But yes, I was. I was out of college, out of graduate school, went back home to Miami for a couple years, then I moved to to the H Town, stayed down. Yeah. Hey. So, uh, tell me about Black or Black History Education in Florida. Like, what was that like? Were, were you guys taught Black History in school? Were they calling? Um, slaves uh workers <laughs> like how was right. how was that taught right, to you right. guys in school <laughs> <laughs> so so oddly enough um i'll, I'll just kind of start from like but i'll start backwards so i did not know about juneteenth until i was in college and i had a friend from texas and he was just like oh yeah juneteenth this that and that i was like bro what's that it's like not that it's like a bigger thing now, but literally me and the people in my circle, we did not know about Juneteenth until we got to college. I'm like, wow, this is such a, a monumental day that like we should be knowing about and be celebrating. So that can give you kind of like the frame of reference and the frame of mind that kind of like I was in. But yeah, they had typical Black History Month and Black History plays. And of course, it just scratched the surface, especially being the type of schools that I attended. But you know, at my church, they did a really, really good job of like highlighting Black History Month and just having speakers and talking about um, just different things from from the motherland and, and just artifacts. And I was naturally very inquisitive. So I kind of like knew about the, the you know, the books with all the random little black known history facts, like who created the stoplight or who created right. the, the cell phone and, and, and things of that sort. So um, but yeah, it was in Miami, it was very like touching the surface, touching the surface. So you had to kind of, you know, find other alternatives and, and, and routes to get your black history. So that's why I'm so passionate about it now, because it's like, yo, and, and I love Tom Joyner, not only because he's an advocate for HBCUs, but because yes, he, is. he right he partnered up with McDonald's to always give a 365 day African-American fact. And it's just like, do you all know that if we give a fact every single day, we'll have like 20 years as far as black people right. and what we created and what we've done and, and what infrastructures exist because we existed yeah, it's 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 real. So I, I wish more people um in more schools and you know more individuals just took initiative to learn more about our history and to know how rich it is because I, I work with the youth. I know we're gonna talk about this a little later, but I work with the youth and I'm a firm believer that if they knew the greatness from whence they've come from, that they uh-huh. would do things differently. You know, we we not we not no scrub people. And just because like individuals and your family, I tell them all the time, just because individuals in your family are living a life that you kind of, you know, don't agree with, 
in terms of like maybe they dropped out of school or maybe they, you know, are just a negative person. That does not mean that all black people are like that. And that's why I'm so passionate about exposure and opportunity. You give people exposure, then they can reach various opportunities. But that can happen without guidance and, and mentorship and, and and sound direction. But yeah, growing up in Miami, the it was just very minimal, if you will, as far as like our black history, especially in school. Gotcha. No, I mean it, it was it was similar here. Um, I feel like we learned more about Texas history. You mean right. any Texas, especially Native Texan? Um, they can spot off more facts about state history <laughs> than we can about our national history. Um, like we, sixth grade was like geography, seventh grade was state was Texas history, and then eighth grade was U.S. history. Like we learned about Texas history before we learned about U.S. history because that's how much state pride we have. United States, Texas, absolutely, exactly, because we are. Texas and we were proud. Like we were like, I could I always tell people this at any time. This this is our agreement. When we came into when we joined the US, we could split into four states and run this bitch. Like try <laughs> try us. This is what we agreed to. Y'all play too much. You gonna mess around. We're gonna split into four and we gonna run everything. <laughs> facts. All facts. I mean y'all but no, I mean exactly exactly exactly. But no, I feel like it was kind of similar here. And I love that you brought up um your youth program. Let's talk about that. So that, that was the perfect segue. Let's talk about that. So um, tell us more about that. Yeah. So um, I, not to sound cliche, but I try to be the mentor, the coach, the guy that I wish I would have had. You know, I went to a predominantly white school and, you know, I never had any teachers that really poured into me. And I honestly think the trajectory of my life would have been incredibly different. I mean, I just went around thinking I was average and I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm not that good. I'm just okay. But it's nothing like someone black, um, black history month, black history year. It's nothing like having someone black just come in and just like affirm you and just believe in you and push you. Because sometimes, you know, little middle school, elementary school boys, they, you know, that's what I can speak to. That's what I was. You know, you need that push that, hey, if you don't get your act together, you know, I mean, I know that you're capable of making A's. I I probably would have went home and and, and studied a little bit more and read a little bit more because of of that that affirmation and because of that guidance and mentorship. So um, I've been working with youth, honestly, since I was a youth. I'm talking about, you know, working from summer camps to developing programs and and coaching youth and young adults and speaking to them. Um, so I've been doing it for quite some time now. And now my job is um, I'm a speaker and I I speak to youth groups and, and young adults just about purpose and personal development and faith um, and just figuring out what they want to do after they graduate either high school or after they graduate from college. I'm, I'm very, very passionate about that. And yesterday at my church, I actually had to do um, a, a talk, like a segment, a workshop um, at this program called AY, you know, every Saturday evening. And um, yeah, I talked about Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune. Um, I'm super passionate about my alma mater. I attended the great Bethune-Cookman University in Daytona hey. Beach, Florida, founded by Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune in 1904. But I had to, you know, I felt like I had to kind of like highlight her because, as we mentioned at the top of uh, at the top of our uh, speaking, you know, everybody knows the Dr. Martin Luther Kings and the Malcolm X's. But what about, you know, the other people? Um, and she is one of those people that you should, if, like, if you don't know who she was, 
Google Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune. Yes. She was, I mean, she was Eleanor Roosevelt's best friend. She was in Franklin Roosevelt's cabinet. She was the first black woman, woman to have a school named after her. I mean, she was a trailblazer, a boss. She started National Council of Negro Women. She's an honorary, she's a Delta, excuse me. Um, so she she's just about so say, many. About to, uh, honorary. Right. She's a... <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't, I can't. That's not my organization. So I don't know. How, it's not mine either, but still. <laughs> hey, right. But whatever it may be, she's put some a, respect on that name. <laughs> put some respect on her name. Yes, yes, yes. So, so I did the workshop yesterday, and the first slide was a picture of her. And I asked the kids, you know, who ranged in ages from eleven to fifteen, yo, who is this? Is that Harriet Tubman? Wait, wait, wait. No, that's Madam C.J. Walker. I was just like, oh, okay. Um, I got a lot of I got a lot of um, explaining to do. So I told them who she was and, and just about her impact in life and how when she was five years old, she picked cotton. And they were just like, whoa, thank you so much for letting us know that. I didn't know that she started her own school. Um, I just told her them a bunch of fun facts about her. And then that segued way into me talking about historically black colleges and, right. and just my experience and me being a third generation wildcat and just some things that are really near and dear to my heart. So I'm so glad that I got a chance to highlight that for Black History Month, because honestly, you don't our kids don't know what they don't know. <laughs> If right. their parents never tell them, if, you know, they don't get it at school, who is going to be the one to kind of like light that torch and just say, hey, these are the people who have come before us and they lit torches so that we can sit in these seats and that we can have schools to attend. And then they develop programs and we're activists so that we can do some incredible things. You know, we got to let our babies know what's up. Exactly. So I love that you brought up um, HBCU. So I didn't I didn't go to an HBCU. Um, okay. I went to PWI. And <laughs> which, I, which I love. I went to state schools, but they were they were PWIs. Um, but I always made sure that one, I joined the um I made sure that I surrounded myself with black people. And I I don't want my our listeners to take this a certain way. Um, but I wanted to make sure that there were other people around me who looked like me. So I'm not saying That's that important. I didn't have white friends, because I did. I mean, because I grew up in very diverse uh, grade schools. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, I, I mean, and I have friends from just about every ethnicity and background and all that stuff like that. But I wanted to make sure that I surrounded myself with other people who looked like me, uh, especially since I started off my undergrad career in a small town in East Texas. Um, so, I wanted to, one, I wanted to make sure that I... Wait, Marshall? Knew other, no, Tyler. Tyler, okay. Which is close to Marshall. Very close, yes, yes. Which is close to Marshall. But I mean, for the simple things of, hey, where can I get my hair done? Hey, um, where's the, like, it's little stuff that we don't think, where's a good black church? Where's it like certain yeah. stuff that people take for granted, especially here in Houston, because you can throw a stone and hit a beauty supply store. Or throw <laughs> stone and hit, for real, you can. Right. You can throw a stone and hit, like, um, same with like beauty salons, nail salons, like finding business smooth. I went natural, one, because, I was out in tech uh, in East Texas and didn't trust any stylist. And not to say that there aren't any great ones, because I'm sure there are some great ones. I just right. didn't know anybody out there who could put on a perm, and I didn't want to go. <laughs> that we crack. That crew crack. <laughs> yeah, I have. I had. I wore perms until like 2007. Um, but I didn't know anybody out there, and I didn't want to come home every time I wanted to get a perm. Um, and two, I was. I mean, I was ready to go natural. But there, I mean, it's stuff like that. It's like, hey, where can I go to get good fried chicken? Where can I go to yeah. to just fellowship with other people who grew up with some with some serious similar experiences that I had? Um, 
so yeah, I mean, you I always wanted to make sure that I surrounded not yeah surrounded myself. So I, I mean, I had friends across the board, mm-hmm. but I wanted to make sure that I had a, a good group of people who grew up with similar experiences that I did, who would understand they can identify, like if, they can relate. Right. Yes. So if I had to give you a look out in public because somebody was up there acting up, and I was like, well, you know. That that's not something we can do. <laughs> they would understand without me saying, "What is that? What do you mean you can't do it?" I don't have time to go into this, man. So. <laughs> nah. No, no time, no time. Sometimes you just want to be around. Sometimes you just want to be around your skin folk, and yeah. I, I people understand. I feel like in general people understand that, but when you say it, it can come across kind of prejudice. So right. I wanted to make sure that um, my listeners know that I, there's no malicious intent behind what I said at all. Absolutely not. I, I was not, I didn't, I didn't come from a place of prejudice when I was saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes you want to be around people who look like you. And that's, I feel like anybody from any background can agree with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, since I didn't go to an HBCU, um, I wanted to make sure I did, that I did that. Do you think... So you said you went to very diverse grade schools. Right. Uh, was that one of the main reasons why you chose to go to an HBCU so you can be around other black people? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's a great question. And I I just feel that like HBCUs are are so important. I just was always aware of them and it's so important because like never in our lives are we ever going to be the majority. And because of how I grew up and, and the schools that I went to, um, I just think that when you are not exposed to, uh, you know, let's let's just keep it real. You know, when I was in elementary school, it was like, you know, two blacks in my class. Right. And and that went up till fifth grade. And then middle school was incredibly diverse. And then high school was even more diverse. But um, I was just always aware of. I was always aware of historically black colleges and universities. And because it was so prevalent in my family, I, I, I literally applied to one school. I applied to one school, Bethune Cup University, not only because my grandfather went there and then the next generation, and then I would be a part of the third generation, not only because it was the the band. Um, I had a band scholarship there as well. Hey, but because, come on, band nerds, unite. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Yeah, where I'm from, like the band, like the band kids are the cool kids. Like in Miami, okay, like like those are the people who are like homecoming court. It's not like at like these suburbia schools where it's just like, ooh, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nah, like no, those are the people like most popular. Just I love the culture of Miami. I digress, but um, <laughs> never. I, and it's so funny. I was telling the students this yesterday. Never in our lives are we ever going to be the majority. As black people, never. So, you know, at, at most of our jobs, um, at most of our, you know, sometimes our churches and, and things of that sort, never in our lives are we going to be the majority. So it's so important to kind of like, you know, go to an HBCU and experience that because not all black people are the same either. We we right, have to we're not a that, monolith. We, we are not a monolith. <laughs> we got some people that he's like, yo, you sure you black? You know, that would be something that people would say, you know, um, first, just first looking at them or hearing them or hearing their story or or their lives. But um, we're not a monolith. So I think it's so important to, you know, in those formative years, you're 18 years old, you don't know yourself. Let's just be real. But you have this place where, you know, I always think about like Alabama and Clemson and those big schools where it's just like all the little black boys are running on on the field and you got 
thousands upon thousands of individuals on the outside in the stands, you know, watching these people betting on them, making money off them, you know, off their likeness and their talent. Right. But you probably if you didn't know them on the on the field, you probably wouldn't give them a job at your local store or at your local community. (laughs) So at Historically Black College and Universities, why I'm so passionate about it is because I think of it as a holistic experience. And yes, my experience was different um, and everybody will have different experiences. Yes, yes, yes. But across the board, you're not just seen as the fast player on the football field and we got to pass him. It's just like, nah, bro, you, you, we need you to play for that game, but we also need you to turn in our work. And I want you to graduate. I want you to be the first one in your family to do X, Y, and Z. And it just feels like that family environment. You, you're not just another number or a fast player on the field. It's a holistic experience from the teachers to learning about certain black history things. I told you about, you know, I learned about Juneteenth in college at 18 years old. Like, how crazy is that? So that's why I think that individuals who, you know, have, you know, and I love how, you know, positive you were about it and just real, you know, you want to be around individuals that kind of had same or similar situations and, and, right. and experiences of 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 life and um i think that uh, i could talk all day i'm just such an hbcu <laughs> no that's great of hbcus that's great no i think that's great um so i feel like one well so i grew up wanting to go to ut at austin university of texas at austin oh nice and um like that was my dream school I'm like, I'm going to be a Longhorn. This is me to this day. Um, and that changed when I found out that they didn't have my degree program. So I ended mm-hmm. up going to one of the um, UT system schools, which was still a great school. And then I ended up coming home and finishing at UHD. But um, I feel like one of the reasons why I did not go to an HBCU um, was because uh, I didn't know if they would have my degree program at that time. I was super focused on forensic chemistry, and that wasn't wow. as bi- that wasn't as popular as a as a field as it's gotten to be now. Like mm, CSI mm-hmm. was just coming out, people were pushing criminology, and they were pushing psychology, and they were pushing. Um, I feel like they were pushing um, law, so they were pushing pre law and all that, but no one was focusing solely on. Um, the science behind the science behind forensic chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I didn't even look at schools that weren't. It didn't in. have that. Right. 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 Like it was. That's I fair. That my, yeah. And I didn't want to leave Texas. Um, that was one of the things that my mom always was coming up. She was like, there are so many great schools in Texas. There's really no reason for you to leave the state to go to school unless you find a school that like is absolutely number one for <laughs> your focus. Right. There's no need for you to leave. the state. And she wasn't wrong. Right. Um, because we have a ton of great universities here in Texas, uh, HBCUs and PWIs. Absolutely. So um, I didn't consider any of the P- or I didn't consider any of the HBCUs in Texas because none of them were known for their um, outside of TSU's law program. But that was law. None of right. them were really known for criminal justice. Right. Um, right. So it never crossed my mind to go to an HBCU. Uh, one of my best friends, we actually met our senior year of high school. Um, she went to Spelman and she Very to this cool. I mean, yes, like to this day, her and her sister both went to HBCUs and they will they swear by their experience there to they're like it 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 helped them become the women that they are, like their experience Absolutely. with HBCUs Me too. helped them become the exactly. Facts. So I always love hearing it when people say that they're like, Yeah, I grew up and I went to very diverse schools or I went to schools where I was 
one of three black people. (laughs) (laughs) I was the only one or whatever like that. And then to go to school and see people who look like me um to well, go to go to school yeah. and find out that history is the history that's being discussed is not only the national history or the state history but it's your history and it's not oh well you know black folks were slaves like no it's so much more than that yeah, more and than to see that as core curriculum they they were like yeah this is core curriculum for us i was like oh my gosh that's awesome so right. hearing that i think i agree with you more kids need to hear about that so i thought i I knew the first time we spoke when you were telling me about this. I was like, I have to have him on my podcast. We have <laughs> Black to History Month, of course. Yeah, Black History Month, of course. <laughs> and that just <laughs> happened. Like that, that was not like serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it truly was. Because I slid in your DMs a while ago. I was like, hey, so, <laughs> so about that. Let's let's schedule this time. And I was like, ah, no, busy out of town. You know, we, and we just got it together. Yes. We did. So I mean, this is perfect. This is perfect. So I want also wanted to talk about um your plant-based brother so we talked about this earlier where i was like beyonce was pushing a uh, vegan lifestyle i don't know that many black vegans <laughs> ah, wow, <laughs> so wow, when wow, you wow, said wow. that and i know i'm being 100 serious i don't okay. know that many black vegans um so when you said that i was like right okay sir i mean you mean tell me you're not eating fried chicken no more or <laughs> <laughs> So I want to hear about that stuff. I I watched some of your videos on YouTube and I'll link and make sure that I link those in the uh, blog post below. But let's talk about that. Like, tell, tell me how you got started on that journey. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, I mean, so in 2000, I was 12 years old and um, at my church, they're really big on like health and, and temperance and diet. And they had a speaker come for, um, divine, divine worship. And he was, he did a documentary or, or showed a video and just talking about, you know, animal byproducts and, and this, that, and the third. And I was like, that was very kind of like the, the kid now, man, that kind of marks it to be to my own drum. So I was just like, I think that I want to give up meat and then went home that day, ate some chicken, but, 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 <laughs> but shortly the thereafter, the, the right. sea was, was planted. <laughs> the sea, but shortly thereafter, I, I, I told my, told my family, I don't want to eat meat anymore. And I never really liked meat for real, for real. You know, I don't know if you grew up on Arby's, but Arby's used to have all that like sandwich deli meat. And I was just like, that's so gross. Um, but I, I just, you know, I, something that I wanted to do and my family truly supported me. And looking back, I'm just so grateful because, you know, based on like your culture or what type of family that unit that you have or structure that you have, you know, sometimes family pe- family members shame you. Like, yeah. what do you mean you're not eating my food? It's just like my family never did that. They were like, OK, we're going to make something for Zav and they were going to make something for everybody else. And I, that's, I'm, that's really dope because most parents would be like, you're going to eat what I cook or you're not going to eat it all. <laughs> And my, my family, you know, from my, like my, my village never said that to me. So it was something that I wanted to do and I kind of stuck with. And I just, you know, so from 2000 to 2015, I only ate fish and I did dairy. You know, I did like eggs and cheese and, and things of that sort. Um, but in 2015, January 24th, 2015, to be exact, I went to kind of like another church, um, a church workshop seminar. And I was just sitting there and. The, the the doctor, he was a he's a prolific um, black doctor from the Dallas area. He was just like, you know, when you eat cheese, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like when you do a drug and those those feelings that you feel, da 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 da. I was like, yo, I was like, I don't 
And, and the thing is, I knew that something needed to change because I loved ice cream. I don't okay. know if you know about that Twenties ice cream. Yo. About which which ice cream? Twenties. Frenchies? Have you ever had no. Talenti? Oh, Talenti. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that gelato, it's so good. Yo, uh. like, I used to tear that up. And, <laughs> and, um, I, I, I ate that, or I used to eat that little ice cream, gelato ice cream, and it just, it did not like me or my stomach. Gotcha. Um, the same thing with cheese. Gotcha. And so I was just like, something got, has got to give. And you, and that's why I ne- tell people, never say never, because you just never know how life will pan out. Because I literally said, I do not want to eat this anymore. And I, I literally haven't eaten cheese or mm. fish um, since then. So I'm some, that's something that, you know, I, I like to point out. Never say never, because you just never know. I, I don't want to be confined to like, oh, I, I, you know, I can't live without this food or, or that food and whatnot and I was just in that time of my life I was just more so focused on like my temple and putting like you know the right things in my temple as far as things are gonna make me better make me stronger um you know stuff that that didn't live and and things of that sort so come fast forward to um 2017 I was just chilling one day and my 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 DMs and messages and emails and just was blowing up. And you know why? Because everybody saw a documentary. What documentary is that? Oh, the, the, the um, oh gosh, nope. I, yes, I know the one you're talking about because I saw it. It was on Netflix for a while. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, what the hell? What the hell? That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what the hell came out? I think that was 2017. I'm pretty sure it was 2017. Yeah. Yeah, people were just like blowing me up because that's what they 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 knew me for in college. You know, I didn't eat chicken. They they knew I only ate fish, and you know, I would post certain meals that I cooked on social media, and you know, people were just blowing me up. And I was like, okay, you know, I didn't think anything of it. But when you know, even more people started hitting me up, like, yo, can you send me a recipe plan? Can you send me some stuff to eat, some restaurants to go to? Because I, I saw the documentary. I kind of want to do better with my diet. I kind of want to eat less meat, or I want to give up meat, or whatever the case may be. And I I had a thought in my head, like, okay, well, uh, maybe I can kind of like monetize my passion or or just like, you know, manifest this, this, this passion and bring it to fruition, if you will. And that's how the plant-based brother was birthed. And, you know, right now I do a lot of food vlogging. So like when I went to Paris, I went to, you know, this vegan restaurant. And when I went to Greece and um, wherever I go in Miami or Atlanta or Houston, I kind of like vlog it via Instagram so that people can know like, hey, when you go out, there are tons of places that you can go to and you can eat plant-based or eat less meat or whatever the case may be. Because I've been kind of like navigating restaurant menus since 2000, asking questions like, hey, does that have lard in it? Or, hey, you know, can we get this without cheese or can we alter this in the in the menu? So I've been doing that for so long. So it, it just kind of like all made sense. So, yeah, plant based brother was birthed. So, you know, I help people through services from, you know, pantry audits to um, a transformation, an ultimate plant based diet transformation plan. I'm doing coaching now, um, three month plant based coaching to help individuals if they want that real true accountability. We do personal shopping, we do cooking demonstrations, I do workshops. Um, so it's it's really taken off, and I'm really excited about it because you know this isn't just like a fly by night. Like okay, yesterday I gave up eating chicken or whatever the case may be. Like nah, I've been in the games for. If you look on my Instagram bio, you know, with all due respect, I'm a plant-based OG. 
Just say it. He said what he said. Straight up. Right. (laughs) Uh, Nah, so that's something I'm very, very passionate about because, you know, I don't, and and the thing, I think why people gravitate towards, you know, plant-based brothers so much, um, I mean, I am plant-based brother, but me, I'll say, is because, like, I don't shame anybody. Like, yo, if you want to, you know, you and I went to dinner before. And it's like I was just about to say that when I'm like, I, so we met each other at a Mexican restaurant. And if you are, if you visit Houston or if you're from Houston, you know that Mexican restaurants is life here. Like Texas was Mexico at one point, so we love our Mexican food here. Um, but I, I think the, I, like I overheard you. No, I know I overheard you ordering. You were like, hey, um, do these beans have lard? Do you order pinto beans or? whatever it was the beans Jordan were like do these have lard is there sausage in this and I was like why is he asking all these questions what's going on <laughs> um and I smooth like I'm pretty sure I had either a burrito or a quesadilla with steak in it so I had red meat that <laughs> night <laughs> like a good Texan I was eating real good. Um, but there was no judgment. And so when he was like, Yeah, I'm vegan, and I'm like, What? <laughs> As yeah. I continue to eat all of this, what? <laughs> But no, there was no judgment. And I thought that was pretty dope that you weren't, um, that you were able to go to a Mexican restaurant of all places. Because if, if for those of you who eat like true Mexican food, you know that the basis of most Mexican food is meat, mm-hmm. beans, cheese, and a tortilla. Yep. How that's prepared is up to you. Mm-hmm. But this is like <laughs> mm-hmm. how that's the, the, uh, the ingredients in most Mexican food. Um, especially at restaurants. So the fact that you were so comfortable ordering or asking those questions, because a lot of people will get nervous, so they don't want to, I guess, rock the boat of sorts. Um, So you were able to go to a Mexican restaurant or go to a restaurant, period, ask those questions, and then get a filling dish that is within, like, your dietary restrictions, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So I thought that was really cool. And that was another reason why I was like, I got to have them on. I got to let people know that, hey, you can still go out to eat. You don't have to just eat salads. Right. right. Who wants to eat salads all the time? I, I want to eat some some guac and some refried beans and some tortillas not made with lard. I'm trying to eat good just like everybody else. Exactly. So I thought that was pretty dope. So yeah, I will definitely be plugging um your I'll be plugging all your information below in the po- or in the blog. And then I'll also make sure that I would link it um on Anchor when I publish this live. But I wanted to talk about your upcoming stuff because I know you said you uh, you spoke in front of some students yesterday at your church. Do you have anything coming up? Absolutely. So first things first, um, you know, kind of we just started. We just were talking about plant based brothers. So I'm launching my website um, early March. So hey. you know, you're gonna be able to get subscriptions. You're gonna be able to get my ebook. Um, if you want to work with me, you can you can do that. Um, I have some really cool videos coming up on my YouTube channel, just Plant Based Brother. Um, so really excited to be launching my website, plantbasedbrother.com, and just you know working with clients. Really excited about that. And this week, I am actually speaking at North Shore um, Senior High School for. It's not really a career day. It's like a kind of HBCU day, just letting the students know about HBCUs and about um, Greek life and things of that sort. And my session is actually entitled, you know, work, work life balance and talking to students about work study and actually working and being successful. And then I actually have a session where I'm just talking to the fellas, you know, gentlemanhood and things of that sort. So I'm um, working on that. I'm going to be still I'm doing a college tour right now where I'm starting you know, it's just, it's blowing my mind how 
people are being super receptive to just bringing me in to speak to their colleges and universities. So really excited about that. I'm going to Florida next month to do a couple gigs. So doing a college tour, about to launch plantbasedbrother.com, still speaking to the youth on a daily basis um, and balancing being fly and loving guy all at the same time. Let's get it. Amen. I love it. I love it. No, that's really awesome. Okay. So, um, by the time this episode, actually, I might go ahead and drop this episode this Tuesday. Yeah, let's I do think it. I'm let's... gonna go. I'm yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and drop this episode this Tuesday. So, um, we're recording on Sunday. I'll go ahead and get things edited because I'm off all tomorrow for President's Day. Hey, Shout out me. to all the previous presidents. <laughs> <laughs> 44 on back. That's <laughs> that's not who. the orange agent, not at all. Right. Right, right, right. Not the one who's currently sitting in office. Um, so I'll go ahead and get this edited, and I'll get I'll I'll make sure it drops on Tuesday. Um, and I want wanted to thank you so much for like because I know you have been beyond busy. I'm telling you guys, if you follow him, I encourage you first of all to follow him on chilling. Instagram. Nah, nah, fam, <laughs> nah, fam. Most of your most of your IG stories are you behind are you in the car behind the wheel, right. not necessarily singing dancing, <laughs> right? Singing and dancing. <laughs> All fat. Having a praise and worship session in the car. Like, man, I just love this, 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 this. I'm like, this boy, stay on the move. He stays <laughs> on the move. So I'm happy that I was able to like pin you down and get a uh, get a recording session in. Thank you so much for that. And I'm definitely gonna have to have you back um, because I want to talk more about. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna politic episode. We're definitely gonna have a primary episode, and you and I can sit down and discuss more again how or more about how black people are not a monolith. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. and My we can have political views mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can have a conversation without like getting into any heat getting into heated argument all so right. all definitely <laughs> all love all love but yeah thank you again Zav, so much for coming on did you have anything else you wanted to share with the people um yo just make sure you all subscribe to this amazing podcast follow what jazz is doing please follow me on social media as well instagram i'm I'm most active on instagram so my personal page is call me zav so that's k as in kangaroo a l l m e x a v and follow me also on the plant-based brother so just how it sounds the plant-based brother with an a and just see the incredible things that I'm doing with both that I'm really excited about from speaking to coaching. Ultimately, I just want to help people. Um, I just want to be a vessel and yeah, I just want to be used by God and just do some incredible things. But thank you so much jazz for having me. This was fun. We got to, we got to, we got to bring this back, do it again. You already know. (laughs) All right. Well, that's our episode this week. You guys, I really hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, you know, for sure you can drop them down in the comment section, shoot me an email, Send me a DM. Um, My DMs are open for you guys if you have questions. I hope you have a great week. And thank y'all again. Bye. Peace. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh.